Ladies and gents, it's time again to go back to Hell's Kitchen and to look at episode two this time. Episode titled, Please. Kind of an ominous thing. My name is Mose, and I'm joined today on this one-on-one talk session with an old buddy, a broken boy, Sean Shibley. Yeah, and I thought I had a good bank shot. Yeah, there were some trick shots, and we're going to get to them. And rather than, you know, just summarizing the entire uh, show, let's just talk about things that hit us and where things started out. You know, we start, we ended first episode with Wilson, Wilson Fisk uh, potentially giving up some state secrets mm-hmm. and folding over some Armenians. And right off the bat, we have Ray and company of the FBI busting down the Armenians and looking at a bold Mother Teresa tattoo, which is fascinating. And we start to open up like, well, Matt's still hurt. He still wants to maybe be Daredevil, or maybe he's just too injured. I don't know. Sean, what what are some things in this episode that really caught your eye? Well, um... I would say that this episode doesn't have a lot of plot. It has some. Um, first of all, a thing that struck me immediately is Wilson Fix getting shanked. Right? Mm-hmm. I was positive there was something iffy about that, right? Okay. Because throughout Daredevil Season 2, we see how powerful Wilson Fisk is in prison. Absolutely. And someone shanks him? Right? Right. And, you know, if you come at the king, you best not miss, right? And they shank him, like, he was standing over his head and neck, and he shanks him in the side. Right. He, he, the, the, the Armenian uh, was in a pure power position um, and could dominate him at any moment. Well, two things. First, it's Albanians, and second, he wasn't one of them. Oh, it's not Armenians, it's Albanians. Yes. Oh. I, I, I bring this up because I, every time I talk about it, I say Armenian and I'm, they're, they're Albanians. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Okay. Albania, uh, Albania, Albania. So um, there uh, – so that right there struck me as fishy. So I, you know, at that moment, I suspected Fisk himself was part of it. Um, it it took me also a while to remember that the Marvel TV shows are based on the uh, on the Ultimate Marvel Universe as opposed to the um, classic. Okay, because. Uh, Bullseye in classic is named uh, Lester. Is his, his name? Yes. Bullseye in Ultimates is Benjamin Poindexter. Okay, this is good to know because obviously, at the end of this episode, we see a guy who can throw trick shots around and headshots. And well, knowing what I know about the cast list, we know that this this person is going to become Poindexter is going to become Bullseye. I actually was so interested in this season. I have not read a single thing. I haven't looked at the cast list or anything. Uh, so, one thing I kind of... So, we're going to kind of bounce around, right? Sure. Um, we see Matt, like, returning to his, like, base self, right? And they, right. It, and we have this whole concept with God, and when he, he, you know, he tells that woman, God didn't help you, I did. Right. Oh, I mean, again, I, I, we we talked about this a little bit off. I think this is a theme of at least this episode: this man versus God, you yes. know, man versus nature. And um, I think the themes are also where you get your support, right? And where you get where you get your your strength from, because Nat's always like he's a devout Catholic and has always, you know, has a heaping. Uh, pile of Irish guilt and Catholic guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that, that that is juxtaposed to that is Foggy and his family. Right? And we see that... This just- is going to be interesting because you're bringing up this <clears throat> particular set of circumstances where we saw Foggy going to uh, the, the butcher shop with his family. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell why and which 
we wanted to see that. Why is it important? It's, it's the contrast. Gotcha. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, it kind of puts the, like, well, what, you come back to the deli? And honestly, what mother would ask her son to quit as a high-powered, like, successful attorney and come on a butcher shop? All right? But, but Foggy almost, at the end of that, you could, he almost kind of wants to do it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the mom pressure, they could hire a guy just as easily. Like, I mean, it's, the brother has it. He, he seems to be able to do it. He just needs help, right? Yeah. Um, it's still in the family. That's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that, that struck me as, as nonsense. Um, but, uh, so a couple things. So, like, you know, um, at this point, like, I mean, I don't believe Nadim is crooked. Okay. And that's only because the show is trying so hard to make you believe that Nadim is crooked, crooked, or at least uh, open. Wait, wait. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, because you see that he's like a good guy. Financial trouble. He can't get out from under it. Right. And he did everything. He he did these things as a good thing, but they're being perceived as as uh, untrustworthy. Yeah, and like he's only broke because he, you know. Best intentions. Yeah, and he's being punished for it, and so that, like, they're setting him up to be the guy that says, you know, fuck it, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to uh, play by these rules anymore, you know, I was their good boy, and it got me nothing, and Fisk is like, well, you know, I'm gonna turn him, and because of setting it up so obviously, I deeply believe that won't be the case. Sure. And, um, and if, somebody's gonna, if somebody's gonna twist somebody, it's gonna be the kingpin. Yeah, and I mean, he... Yeah. He twists everyone, right? He's the kingpin. Um, so, something. So, um, one of the things is kingpin gets shanked, and he he leverages this to get basically moved to house arrest, right? Because it's obviously not safe for him there, and he's cooperating to you know to get his. Uh, I forget. Is he married? To Vanessa? I don't believe he and Vanessa are married. They may as well be, at least. From- Look, yeah, I mean, he he basically called, you know, here, I'll quote, love is a perfect prison. Yes. So he is he is bound to her. Yes. Uh, and it does seem like that's legit. Like, he, he finds acceptance. Right? Yes. And, um, uh, We've you know we learned in earlier seasons that the only person before Vanessa who truly like he felt acceptance from was his mother, and um, which you know that amazing scene in uh, season one where Ben gets killed. Yes. Yes. Right, and we see this equal level of strength from some of this emotion, right? And I think that what's really interesting is like the final shot of this episode is Kingpin on his knees. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Like it's showing how he's like uh, being laid low by his like love. Like he's willing, he's literally willing to do anything. Right. Yes. Cause Kingpin on his knees. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think there is something to that. Like it's the, um, uh, I want, I'm thinking of the word sublimation, but that's not what I'm looking for. But he, he's willing to, you know, you know, prostrate himself and do any. At least it, that's the way it seems. I would say I don't buy necessarily. I think he he is a a great, and I'm saying uh, Kingpin is a great actor of manipulation, and he's already gotten himself out of jail. And under house arrest, which gets him into the world, is and that's what he wants. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get a little bit closer. So like, uh, go a little bit back. So Kingpin's being transported, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the his his convoy or whatever gets hit, um, attacked, right? And for about thirty seconds, I was positive it was our boy Frank. Really? Yeah, because again, I haven't read the castle, so I don't know who's in it or out it, right? But I mean, I could—I just saw like Frank has buddies and like the tacit acceptance of some cops, like even root for him. Sure. 
Yeah. I yeah. could easily say, like, I could, like, and this was like an infuriating thing for the cops, right? And I could easily see one cop getting the message to Frank that, you know, this guy, this, this, this monster is being released, basically, and, uh, nothing we can do about it, but maybe something you can do about it. Right. And okay. even, even though, like, he, I mean, like, even though, like, I was thinking zebra, not horse, because obviously it was the Albanians. Right. Right. Uh, which makes a lot more sense, but I was just so sure it was our boy Frank. Right. But then um, the character, hitherto known as Dex, starts making mm-hmm. all those bank shots and all those trick yes. shots and yes. all those throwing shots and um, especially bouncing bullets off things. Right. Uh, and also, what I found very interesting in that in that sequence is that two Albanians get on their knees to surrender and he taps them both yeah and so he's a he's a monster right right well we know that this whoever this person is is uh he 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 takes he takes takes care of vengeance people died so he it's an eye for an eye with for him yeah and then i remembered that benjamin poindexter is the name of bullseye in the ultimates universe See, Ultimates is something I am so unfamiliar with. I am only I only understand the bullseye from the Miller years, which which is a completely different bullseye as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, and the Ultimates universe is kind of is ended, so you there is actually like a nice little package that you could dig into if you wanted. Um, but. So I was, uh, I was also, uh, so I was very, I was very impressed with that, right? Because, uh, I honestly think Fisk is the best villain in the Marvel Universe. And yes, I'm including Loki. Yes, I'm including Thanos. Oh, that's fine. I I mean, again, we're talking about, and I hate to relegate, because every time this is discussed, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. I'll say street level, and that seems that it, that shouldn't make you make the listener say, "Oh, so not important," because he is important. And number one, D'Onofrio is, I mean, so foundational in the way in which he play, which he plays uh, Fisk. That it, I I believe you. I mean, he's he's an absolutely fleshed out, and especially in the 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 cinematic world he they have made him a flesh and blood bad guy one that has you know you know stakes in in, in himself yeah and um and like a fully fleshed out backstory you understand his intentions yes and he pulls off the thing that i've only ever seen one other villain and i consider him the one of the best villains of all time the operative from serenity uh the firefly oh. movie yeah, I'm trying to think of it, so you're going to have to backfill. Uh, Mal tells him, so I have to lay down and die so you can live in your perfect world, and the operative responds, there's no place for him. I won't live in that world. There's no place for me there. I am a monster. Gotcha. And Fisk's, I am the ill intent. Right? He he understands at what what his place is in this in the entirety of the world, and like if he has a superpower, that he he explicitly says that he is the ill intent, right? He brings out the ill intent. He he tempts people who are otherwise, you know, no one's really a saint, but tempts people who are otherwise good people and turns them right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like. Uh, Especially like sometimes less artfully than others. Like with Melvin, I just feel so bad for that guy from season one and two. Sure, sure. Um, and then um, we also Donofrio gives such a physical performance, right? Oh, it's exquisitely beautiful. And let me go one one step further, where lesser or easier it would be to excite the the viewer's senses with a car you know flipping over and you know all kinds of explosions everywhere and flab what do they do they do the exact opposite you don't get to see cars flipping over necessarily 
and it's all in close-up, which I find to be really much more compelling. And how do they remind you of Fisk's... Like, I mean, when he's tearing that chain off... Yes. It's... I mean, that that's... is a dog. That is a rabid dog, and his just physical prowess that you know he, he that he's not to be messed with. He's a powerful man, physically. Yeah, and that just that performance, right? Like you see somebody. This is the first time we see Fisk afraid. Well, no, yes. the second time. The first time was when like Vanessa got poisoned. Oh, that's right. Gosh, that yes. Yes. And, uh... I'm actually... As much as I like Electra, I'm actually really happy we're done with the hand. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 I... You know, I've said this before, and I've said it on, on the side. You know, there are certain things that I really enjoy about Electra, and it's really more in the comics... And she's not, and even the, the, the comic run Electra Assassin I found to be more satisfying than what they did. I, I always saw her as, as more of a, an interesting agent uh, in the ointment. And they, they minimized her and made her such a, um, more of a, a fighting girlfriend than, and then, then add in the hand where she becomes super powerful. Ugh, yeah, you know, it just it just didn't feel good, the, and I wasn't really a fan of the actress. The only one I would keep from the entire hand is I could watch Madame Gao all day. Oh, okay, hands down, yes, yes. Um, and this is going to be true nerdy, but in the mid '90s comic book crossover, Marvel versus DC, they put her up against Catwoman, and I thought that was one of the most brilliant pairings, right? Hmm. Because Catwoman is, you know. She's on Batman's... She's, she doesn't follow Batman. She chooses to assist sometimes. She's like chaotic neutral. Well, it's more that she has her own agenda. Yeah. She likes Batman. And if Batman. it fits in, yeah. She likes Batman, and she will help him, but she chooses to, right? She's not... You know, not to mention she left Batman at the altar literally a few comic issues ago, but that's different. Um, I... Something I, I kind of also got is when Fisk sees uh, Dex just straight up murder those two dudes. Yes. Do you notice the expression? Yes. He's like, I can that, work with this. Exactly. That's okay. You're, you said that. And in my mind, I thought there's something I can work with here, like mold. Yes, and I think that's why he kneeled in front of Dex. He's kind of doing, he's... Because <clears throat> yeah, if he didn't do that, and Dex uh, specifically calls him convict, does not give him a name, or I may mean, have said prisoner. Either way, he doesn't use his name. He uses what he is. And you could see that this guy has a very like black and white output. And so if Fisk were to even remotely uh, give him heat, then he probably would have put him down because his buddies have been killed. I mean, looks like, to me anyway, that Dex is the only surviving agent. I mean, that's the way it seems. That's the way it cuts out. Yeah. I will say this. Um, even, if he, even if his immediate safety wasn't an issue, right? We see in that... In that uh, moment that uh, Dex is a meat force with force, right? Sure. And if you try to come at someone like that from a position of power, they're not having a relationship with you, right? You'll be an enemy, and that's that. Mm-hmm. Right? It, but if he, he humbled himself, right? He gave the narcissist what he wanted. Kneel, kneeling before, potentially... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. submitting to him, right? He's yeah. acknowledgement of his power. Submission. That's that's the word that you know. And you never would think of the kingpin as a submi- a submissive character. And never in a million years do I think he did submit. Right? He just is giving that illusion because 
Kingpin figures out what you want and turns it against you. That's his power. He is yeah. the ill intent, right? So he's, he gives people what they want and then uses it against them. Um, uh, Let me throw something back at you. This was this was I I am very very into um what's what's our nun's name? I, I should know this and I feel ridiculous for it. I don't remember. I should. Yeah. It's Ma- Margaret Maggie. It's Maggie. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um the relationship between Maggie and Matt is incredible. I think the actress they they chose, she's wonderful, and this this hard nosing. But wait a minute, you know she was from the first episode. She was almost stoic. Now she has a an interest in Matt and growing Matt. It seems like she is looking for him to get up and be Daredevil again. Well. I don't necessarily be Daredevil again, but she she's known this she's known Matt his whole life basically. Right. And she's the she's like literally the one character that he can't like trick. Right? She she's the only one who probably knows uh Matt's true self, right? So, some people might say that uh she knows him like a son. Yeah, and um and here's the other thing, like, Foggy's devout belief in Matt, right? Mm-hmm. When him and Karen, ha- like, you know, Karen sees the guy in the black mask. Yes. And goes to Foggy, and Foggy's, like, resolute. He's like, Matt is dead. You know how I know? He would have told me. Yeah. Right? And um, just knowing that that's going to come, that that's going to come, that's going to come back. You know, I feel I always I love Foggy. Foggy's probably my favorite character in that show. Yeah, he. Uh, the, I it feels like, and I'm again, I don't know. It feels like they're going to open his world up a little bit as well. And they really need to. Like, I feel Karen. Uh, I feel Karen got a lot of development. Oh, I mean, she had an entire show to develop in in, in Punisher One. Yeah. And um it's it's definitely Foggy's turn, I think. Um and like if you look at it, Matt's not even getting the most he doesn't even get all that much screen time. He beats up those uh like he does his little detective thing to find the uh, the people who beat him up in episode one. Yes. Uh let me can I touch on that for just yeah. a second. The, a lot of people will poo poo Iron Man three. Because it's Tony out of armor. I found that to be more compelling when you have the character who usually has, quote, his armor on or her armor on and is able to sleuth and do things that show that they have skills outside of their, quote, power or to use their power in such a way that you weren't expecting it. And I love the fact that he played the blind man and sleuthing around to find this this particular cleaners. I that was great. Yeah, um, and we also see like Matt is regressing, right? Mm-hmm. He's back in his black like he's back in his black mask costume. What? And he's not a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent. He's back at his church. He's 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 reverted, right? And I can I find that pretty interesting, especially because like Foggy's evolving, right? Yeah. Um. Karen seems to be stuck in the past, as with the with the whole um, in, in, you know uh, interaction with her editor. So she's kind of in, in this this stalemate of I can't move on. Foggy has been moved on quite a bit. Yep. Um, so, something else I find really, really, really interesting. When, so, 
when Matt is leaving the hospital after telling the, the woman that the people who assaulted her father were captured, mm-hmm. you know, that's, he's pretty much back at full after that, right? He's, he's got his hearing, he gets his hearing back. It and, seems like it to me, but like, it looks like whenever he takes a good punch, it will throw him. But at the very end, like we, for the first time, get a POV shot with him without the ringing. Yes. And what's the first thing he hears? That Fisk has been released. And if that's not a where is your God now moment, I don't know what is. Yeah. Right. Now, you know, you bring that up, the whole where is your God. What do you make of the scene where Matt as a boy, it was kind of flashback, flash present of him listening to prayers. And obviously that's where we get our our title, which is, you know, please, and it's usually all the prayers he said started out, please God. Well, so, I mean, I think, I think it's the same thing, right? Um, he's, he was a Catholic boy, and he's at the monastery, right? And his sight has been taken from him. His parents have been taken from him, right? It's, this is, you know, before he met Stick. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's been taken from him, right? He's, he's, he, and he, he's been taught about this loving God, and he's saying, like, well, you know, isn't it time for you to hold up your end of the deal? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where Matt is right now, too. Again, it's all about Matt reverting. He's reverting to those child, his childlike emotions, which make a lot of sense for an 11-year-old, don't make so much sense for a grown-ass man. And the 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 conversation he has with the priest about being able to formulate arguments, you know, that's basically a kind of its precursor saying like, oh, okay, well, you know, if you're good at doing arguments, you know, you could be a lawyer. You, those are usable tasks. And one thing I found that kind of pulled out to me was he said being argumentative is not sustainable. I also thought about that in our present day outside of the MCU and and the idea of that you know just having arguments it it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't get us anywhere. And maybe that's where actions come in and that's where 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 kind of the daredevil really kind of lives in in action versus um not. Yeah. And if you think about it, again, juxtaposing Foggy and and uh, Matt, like Matt's whole persona is kind of being argumentative with crime, and Foggy's is, you know, a more evolved approach. Yeah. Well, I, I would almost say the peacemaker. Well, he's peacemaker, but he's also the lawyer, right? He's 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 fighting injustice his own way. Yeah. Okay. And in a in very arguably a much more evolved way. More civil. Yes. Yeah. Um and I'm you know, I kind of also feel like he's rejecting the Daredevil persona. That's the way it seems to me. And I know this is set up, it's plot, it's storyline, you know, will he, won't he? Oh, look, he kind of is, but he's not putting on the red suit, even though I would say the red suit's probably toast. Going back to Melvin, I think we're going to see Melvin again. We are. We definitely are. That, that, that goes without saying. But we, I, was the red suit toast? Well, the opening scene in the first in the first episode is, you know, him flying through uh, flames like in Casino. I can only assume that, that, that a majority of the suit is, is pretty damaged. I mean, yeah, but, like, we see him in the suit, the building collapses in Defenders, and then he's awake, he wakes up in the, uh... Yeah. Which I actually really respected Defenders for, because, you know, that's not... Like the characters can believe Matt is dead, but let's not fool the audience. Like, I, I thought that, yeah, absolutely, and it gave us a, it gave us a good jump off point, like where I felt really good about what's going to happen in season three. Yeah, I feel season three. I, I'm season two was kind of a mess, right? Yes, I, I will, I will, I will concede all the way on that. I, I'm not going to. I, I try my best 
not to defend garbage when I when I don't have to or defend mediocre television. And it, that one was very hard to defend. And it, and I think its fundamental sin is no. It was trying to serve two masters, right? Uh, Frank and the Hand. Yes. And you can't really do that. No, you can't. Uh, you know, especially when you start incorporating mysticism and uh, these powerful pieces to an equation, and then you have a wanton uh, man of action such as Frank Castle. And by the way, I just want to say this on the record. I, I have a really hard time with this. When we they talked about the cancellations of Cage and um, Fist. Yeah. And... Then they talk about Jessica Jones and Daredevil in in different, you know, bloids around around the around the internets. Punisher is never recognized, and that really angers me because that season I mean, we did a whole show, you know, based around it. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. And it is so forgotten. I, I, I've been in many conversations about, you know, Netflix shows and he rarely comes up and i think it's a travesty that that that, that's done and i think it's because punisher was kind of demonized as i mean i said during the show if you switched out the guns with swords and added a couple dragons you've got game of thrones right yeah um and there's literally one scene that's like was lauded when it was in the mountain and the viper and demonized when it was in punisher yeah, I, I I just don't understand. I you know I'll I'll bring up the Punisher in certain circles, and oh, ugh, I can't I can't get behind that. Ugh, and it's just like what? Did you not? Wa- I mean, number one, I'll I would say that when that happens, the next question out of my mouth is, did you watch the entire season? Usual answer is no. So I think here's the thing, like. You know, you and I are pretty liberal guys. Sure. And we run in pretty liberal circles, right? I am in a very liberal bubble. bubble. And with part of the liberal platform, this one that I personally don't happen to agree with, but is part of the platform, is the demonization of the scary black gun. Okay. Right? So, Punisher, I mean, think of Punisher, right? Just think of him. And that's comic of him with the two machine guns, right? The two, the two M16s. Yeah. I'm actually looking at two, two Desert Eagles in my hand, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, same thing. I mean, yeah. right, so I think that's kind of why the people we run with don't like to acknowledge it, right? But like, much like the AR-15 itself, the show is completely misunderstood, right? Because the AR-15 is, is really a small caliber rifle that is not automatic. AR does not stand for assault rifle, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a Ruger Mini-14 that's that same exact gun, except with the wooden furniture, and nobody cares about that. In fact, a lot of gun laws specifically mentioned the Ruger Mini-14 as okay. Um, so there's so a lot you're of- saying that potentially here, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming at it from a different angle, which is uh, the because the Punisher doesn't have uh, necessarily superpowers, it, it it becomes it's like yeah he's not really he's not really a, a a part of the herodom that that we've been accustomed to for ten to fifteen years. Yeah, and we're also getting at the point. Oh, also uh, about the cancellation of Luke Cage and and uh, which Luke Cage season two I thought was really really freaking good. And I thought Luke Cage was very good until it had no real villain, and the villain was about as cool as a cracker. Yeah. Um, also, Luke Cage season two is filled with, filled with straight up homages to straight up ripoffs of The Godfather, which I kind of liked. Even stole the final scene like straight up. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you know, he's like now the king of the empire and it ends with a door closing on someone that is good. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's the Godfather's ending. Yeah. Um, but this just tells me that I, I, I think there's a lot of fatalism, right? And I think it's pretty obvious that Disney is 
trying to pull back as much from other people as it can for its own service. Yes. And this just tells me that a premiere show is going to be Power Man and Iron Fist or Heroes for Hire or whatever. Yeah, I, I just I think I think the gritty uh nature that Netflix has brought down the pipeline, I don't believe I could be proven wrong. I'd gladly be proven wrong in this. I just don't see that those characters maintain the things that you kind of like about them, I think might be amplified. Um, and I think they're going to be, uh, it'll be frustrating because it will be kind of really a reboot of the two characters. Well, did you and see? sanitized. In Luke Cage season two, the best episode was the one where Danny and Luke were together. Like, the, the actors have chemistry. Yes. And, and I saw that in Defenders. For yeah, def- sure. And especially, uh, like, when Danny in uh, Luke Cage season two was helping, uh, helping Luke, but doing so in a sweet Christmas hoodie. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. So. <laughs> so I I think that we're gonna get something like that. Um. It's funny because you know in episode one, uh, Jason and I both discussed. Uh, just the really, it was at that time, it was kind of breaking news. And this has kind of been an open, you know, where we discuss kind of Netflix MCU a little bit more. I don't mind talking about it because I think it's important because it makes me wonder, am I going to see, um, am I going to see Daredevil season four on Netflix? I don't think I am. Um, but we know that Jessica Jones three and, Punisher 2 are still on the table. So I think like this is all about this is going to boil down to contracts. Mm. Right? The war of attrition. Yeah, like basically Disney made like Luke Cage we hear that Disney basically or not Disney whoever. Some powers that some part was asking for too much that Netflix did not want to give. Right? I'll, I I mean, without knowing, knowing, yes, I'll agree with that. And I think Netflix is willing to dig in deeper for Jessica Jones and Daredevil. And they have the they have stacks of cash that they could do that. Now again, it's Disney. They also have stacks of cash. Yeah, I mean, no, Netflix is <laughs> Netflix is nothing compared to Disney, right? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, Disney just bought Fox for Christ's sake. Right. I I get that. But if I'm Disney, I may say, you know what? We we own this, but if we can't well, maybe I'm speaking as myself. If I can't do something better, then why would I want to take it away and blow it? But they can. But then again, uh I I can bring up Star Wars. So, uh, maybe maybe you know, egos prevail. Well, it's Disney, but it's Marvel Studios, right? I mean, yes. So, I mean, it's not exactly uh, a one-to-one. I mean, one. Dis- it's not exact. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, but my guess is like the de- like the contracts are like because most movie and TV contracts are like you can ask for X percent more for another season, but no more or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, um, but. Mike Coulter is just too good-looking of a man to lose. Um, and I will be furious if we've seen the last of Colleen Wang. Yeah, that seems to be whenever Wink. whenever Iron Wink, in Circles talking about Iron Fist, that seems to be the the one thing that people will will gather around is is the Colleen Wing um and the use of her. Yeah. Um, I feel now this is be- <laughs> we kind of devolved to other Marvel shows. Yeah, well, we th- might cut it out. We don't know. But yeah. Um, <sighs> here, let me bring let me bring it back around. Okay, so from here, where where do we see this this the the? I mean, we're not even close to an end game. Where do, where does Matt end up? The everybody seems to be having these mid, the midlife crisis of or and the crisis of faith. I, I I hate to say it like that because I don't th- I don't see it like that offhand, but more of a midlife crisis. You know, does Foggy really want to be a lawyer? 
what you know what's in it for him, all the kind of zest because he preferred being a lawyer with Matt. Well, and I think so much of his worldview like I mean, we see that Foggy, like his relationship with Matt is a core thing in his life. Right? I just thought sure. of something. Like Daredevil's Matt's regressing to his core, right? Yes. And that doesn't necessarily include Foggy. No. He becomes a, a, a self-sustaining um, just out, out, outside of the normal world. So, so the problem is this could go so many different ways, right? Um, with the introduction of Bullseye, they have a lot of leeway to not you know, to not advance things with Fisk all that much, right? So we could end up seeing like like a uh, iron uh, a, a Power Man situation where the main bad guy gets kind of deferred to the new bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I could see this ending with Fisk being dead this season, or it could end up with Fisk being completely free and completely at the top of his powers. Yeah, I don't think you can kill him. I th- I think he's I think. If I were to make Wedge uh, kind of a prediction, and this is going to be controversial um, slightly, but I hope this doesn't happen, but I could see where something is spun away to where you have uh, mirroring of the American political system and potentially uh, Wilson... Rising high. I really hope they don't do that because I, 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 I don't mean, want that American either. Horror Story but tried it and it did yeah. not work. I, it, I think it, I think mirroring the the real world is very interesting in telling stories and also um, forming uh, uh, metaphor between what's happening. You know, and I, I just. Sometimes that doesn't need to be the case. You and, don't have to hit me over the head with things. And the one thing I will say, without naming any particular criminal presidents we may or may not have, right. um, is Fisk is kind of different than like the right extremism, right? He's very rational. Oh, I would say so. He's extremely very, logical. Very, very well-read, very well-spoken. And very competent. He is incredibly competent, whatever else you might say. Is, yes. Yeah. So him in a sentence is going to – I mean, I think that's different, right? Because he, it, there's a world in which that makes sense, right? Um, so my guess, if I had to guess, would be that this is going to be Daredevil's Empire Strikes Back ending. Um, hmm. Beaten, but maybe winning a small victory. Like, maybe, like – he beats Bullseye, but he doesn't. But Fisk ends up in power. But like, oh, very interesting. Okay, so potentially, let's just say, yeah, Matt gets completely beat down. As you know, again, I hate that trope a little bit, but I also love it, and it's it's a real it's a real hard juggling act for me. If done correctly. Matt sacrifices a lot, but gains everything. Um, but it's not; yeah. it doesn't come into fruition till later. Yeah. Um, I can't like now that I think about it. I can't see the end game between Matt and Fisk happening in this season. Not if it's going to happen satisfyingly. Like if it does, it will be un- super unsatisfying. Yeah, I remember old comics with him fighting Kingpin. And him just just bleeding Kingpin in the nose, but but at the same time, like Kingpin not backing down. Like it was a, it was a this was, these were knockdown drag out fights. Yeah, I mean, and we see we saw that in season one, right? Like yeah. Kingpin, it, Kingpin can, um, you know, there's a kind of in like competitive fighting. There's a saying, you know. No amount of scale will beat a hundred pounds of weight differential. Yes. And I mean, Matt can do all the ninja flips and sweet flips he wants, but he's not going to be able to. Uh, right. 
I mean, he's 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 out out of his weight class, and they're and they're they're that's that's dangerous. And I, one thing I want to say, and I know I, I I usually am the one fighting back against this, right? Right. You're a contrarian. But no, well, yes, but the thing is, of all the situations I can think of, this is the one where a billionaire and a bulletproof man might prove pretty helpful. Um, so you're saying to yourself and to the general listening audience, you would like to see a little bit of Defenders coming in. Well, I don't necessarily, like, I want the show to be about Matt. It's Matt's show, right? Right, right. But I cannot see how Matt would not take every resource he has to beat Fisk, right? Yeah. And a billionaire and a bulletproof man, like, I mean, Jessica's off the table, and that makes sense, right? Because she's, like, at the end of season two, she's kind of in a pretty dark place, right? But I really have a hard time seeing how, like, he's not going to turn to those people. Right? It makes almost no sense. It doesn't make logical sense, but I will get into the Murdoch sensibility, which is I have to do this alone because if I bring people, every time I bring people near me, they get hurt. Now, come with Defender-wise, I wasn't real. I, I liked Defender's. But I didn't like Matt's place in Defenders that much. That's just me. But I, I'm obviously gonna gonna put a lot of weight behind Matt. I love him. You know, he's my favorite character. So when I don't see him getting limelight, it it gets it's very hard for me. Yeah. To not for him not to be the leader or for him to have the spotlight. I, so, I get that, and I mean, but the thing is, like, it all breaks down, right? Because, like, oh, you know. Like, first of all, like, even without Matt, Danny should find the fact that Fisk is out offensive. Right. right. I mean, this this news is going to be huge. I mean, yeah. Grant, we're just getting it at, at point point zero of of that Fisk is getting moved and he is in the outside world. So, but my point kind of is like, yes, I can see Matt saying it's too dangerous for Karen or Foggy. But the immortal Iron Fist and freaking Power Man? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's got to be pretty full of himself if... And I know the real reason is, like, it's the same reason that Silver Surfer doesn't solve every one of Fantastic Four's problems, right? It's... Yeah, you you can't have overpower. You know, you've got to have some sort of power balance. And, like, I would be satisfied with, like... Actually, I would be satisfied if they even just wave it off, because, like, Danny's traveling right now, I guess. Okay. And Luke, like, I could see Luke saying, it's not Harlem, it's not my business. Yep. All right, so just... Or some- just get Jessica Jones to give him the, the sweet chin music. You know, I mean, apparently, you know, she can knock a guy's head off, so I don't know. But JJ is, like, she is, like, non-communicative and in a really dark place at- as of the end of season two, so I can see just her not picking up the phone. Okay, see, so this is me not knowing that those kinds of things, those endpoints. Yeah. Um, no, she she's in a. Yeah, she ends season two in a very very bad place. Is that wait at the end of season two? Is that the beginning of of Defenders or how has that fallen the timeline? Uh, it is after Defenders. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I think everything. Like, I mean, it, it it's chronological. I think like everything. Uh, like everything that came out after Defenders is set after Defenders. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess I. Uh, We've gone about as long as the episode, and I don't really have much more to say except yeah. You know. No, I think I would I would I would say this just to wrap is what I enjoy right now is I do enjoy a slow burn. I enjoy slow builds. This one has a few more steps in it where we're starting to get get thick um, with what our characters want and at, at what lengths they're you know going to take. Also, the introduction of some other characters that I think. We have 13 episodes. 
So, interestingly, here's Bullseye. I'm curious what happens in episode three. Are we going to get a full um, expository dump of Bullseye? I don't know. I hope not, because that always cheapens things for me. But I'm, I'm hoping that it goes a little bit. They, they start to maybe put some um, meat on the bones. Yeah, and when I first saw that this was a 13-episode series, I was like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, they keep... Haven't they learned their lesson? Right. But given how it's so far, like I think they may have actually needed that time. Yeah, I, I think that they've learned from having... I mean, and I hear it a lot, and I've said it, you know, there are those episodes that almost become these pocket episodes of of of, of fat that you could have gotten rid of. It didn't serve the greater plot. Yeah. And I think one thing that's um, kind of diminished the entire TV universe is like every season of every show is trying to have their uh, their hallway scene from season one of Daredevil. Yes. And like, I hope they stop chasing that. Uh, they need to because no one does it better. And when I see a hallway in Daredevil, I get extremely excited. Yeah. Because they do it the best. And with that, I hope we find you all in a hallway very soon. Thank you, Sean, for joining me. Thank you. And again, I will see you on episode three. And we will talk at you some more.